You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, if you would, turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Hey. I'm going to preach about running for the prize, and we're going to talk tonight about running for the prize and how Paul describes his own spiritual walk with God. And there are two basic statements that every growing Christian will have to agree with. The first one is that we failed in the past, and the second one is that we are dissatisfied with our present spiritual state, meaning we want to become more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No one has spiritually arrived, and the only person human on this planet that ever has before he died was Jesus. And if we have arrived, or if you think you have arrived, then you, have no, you would have no reason to grow. So knowing you need to grow is a sign of Christian maturity. Paul is admitting here in these verses that we're going to read that even he has areas where he needs to grow. Amen. So if you would, and if you can, please stand as we read God's word. Again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not as though I had already attained... Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Lord, I pray that you work through me tonight and help me to get out of the way and just let you reach the hearts of those here. Lord, you you put a message on my heart, and I, I pray that I prepared it well enough, but I know, Lord, that these are the words that you want me to say and the verses you want me to read, and I pray that um, you, work, you do work in me as well as everybody here and whoever's listening to this podcast. And Lord, I thank you for calling me to preach and for this church and for all those that support me, and um, I look forward to what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. And you can be seated. So in verse 12, again, it said, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Think about all the reasons Paul had to, had reason to stick out his chest and boast. I mean, he was the apostle. Yeah. He wasn't just chosen by other men, but he was called on the road to Damascus by God himself. Amen. Which I, I can't even imagine, but just, just picturing that would be mind-blowing. God coming down and just calling me right there and then of course blinding me and causing me to rely on him right away which is just it's just inspiring to know that but he has that behind him to say that he is that apostle for the gentiles and god was using him to record the inspired words of god i mean he did he wrote what 13 different books in the new testament alone and probably inspired others he was tremendous at soul winning and preaching the word and it seemed that Paul had everything figured out. 
I mean, just reading through the word of what he says, it's clear that he was the preacher of preachers. Amen. But even he knew that he didn't have it all together. And he knew that he had not arrived to what God had called him to be. And his ultimate goal was to be perfect and Christ-like. And we need to be aware of those who think they have arrived. Yeah. In 1 Corinthians ten twelve, it says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Yeah. In Galatians 6, 3, it says, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Amen. We have not reached perfection yet, but one day we will. When we walk through the gates and stand in front of Jesus, yes. he will perfect us. And even though Paul knew he wasn't perfect, he did not let that get him down. And too many people get discouraged with the lives they are living just to quit on God. But God's not done working in us. God knows it's not a matter of if you will fail, but when you will fail. Amen. And if you'll look to him in that failure, because he wants to support you and he wants to build you through those failures. Don't let failure cause you to drop out of the race. All of you here know that I'm a Marine. And when I was reading through this text, it reminded me of my experience at boot camp. And I had a lot of other experiences, but this one specifically just reminds me of, of everything I went through, especially when it comes to failing and striving for that end goal, which was getting to becoming a Marine. Because you're not a Marine until you've reached that final test. Um, and when you first show up, you are... You think you've, you're all that. You've practiced. You've, you've, you think you know what, what's coming, but you're not prepared. You get there, and right away, they scream at you to get a taste of what it, what it looks like to have Marines around. And quickly, you realize that you've got nothing to bring to the table. And then within a few weeks, you think you've got it again. You think you've got it figured out, and you're, you're, you're better than those, and you're comparing yourself to all those around you. And then they introduce you to your actual drill instructors, which completely destroy, it's called Black Friday, they destroy your world and help you realize that you're still not even close to the mark yet. So 13 weeks of failing and getting back up again, it's easy to get discouraged, and I did so many times. And if it wasn't for the verses that we had the opportunity to read on a consistent basis and, and me praying to God, there's no way, no way I would have made it myself. But just like Paul was saying here, it's about living the Christian life. You know you're not perfect, but don't let that discourage you. Continue to grow and press toward the goal. Amen. God is using those weak points in your life to make you a better Christian and to prepare you for what's coming ahead. Amen. So in verses 13, sorry, 12, 13, and 14, it says, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark. These verses are characterized by action terms. Paul is using very descriptive language to describe his Christian race. Note these five great statements made by the apostle. In verse 12, I follow, which literally means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing. Amen. It has reference to a hunter pursuing his prey. It also has the idea of a runner chasing the finish line. If you look in, in the way he phrases this text, the, based on the time when he was writing this, 
they would be familiar with the Olympics. And so he used words like running and, and pressing for the mark and because they have different points in that race that they have to achieve in order to get to that next point. Right. And for Paul, his was the hope of apprehending something. That word means to lay hold on. What Paul is saying is, I am pursuing the goal of laying hold on all that Jesus laid hold on me for. He realized that he had been saved for a purpose and that God had a plan for his life. Paul would not be satisfied until he had apprehended that for which he was apprehended. What are you doing about what what God saved you for? Are you stuck on salvation? Which is not not to take lightly because if you're saved, that's worth praising. But... For me, I was, I was saved, and that was the best time of my life, but then I, I stayed there for 15 years yeah. content. Yeah. And, and still, like, just getting down on myself and, and comparing myself to worldly things, not realizing that I needed to look to God and figure out, why did he call me? Why did he save me, and what's the purpose? Yeah. And in this summer, I realized those two things, what God saved me from, and then what God saved me for. Yeah. And I needed to get on my knees and tell God I was open and ready to pursue his will for my life. Amen. And he saved you, every single one of you, for a purpose. Not just to sit here and listen every Sunday and Wednesday night, but for an actual purpose. And for some people, that may just be that you're going to influence somebody else to get them to the point of salvation. Or you're going to lift somebody else up in prayer to help them get through the trials in their life. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to end up being a preacher, but if you are, then great. If you're, if you're going to be a teacher of, of children, great. Or if you're just going to teach a family member something, maybe that's what God called you for. You need to get at his feet and find out why he laid a hold on your life. Amen. Pursue that with all your heart. And let nothing satisfy you but satisfying him. Make Amen. that your passion. Amen. Paul said in verse 13, this one thing I do. Paul was a specialist. Just like an Olympic athlete, they train their whole life, putting everything else aside to do that one thing, being a perfect runner or being the best at hurdles or whatever it is. He specialized in one thing, and that was for reaching the goal that God called him to to do. He had a one-track mind, and nothing else was important to him except pleasing the Lord. That's not to say he didn't have distractions in his life because he was a tent maker. He had a job. Mm -hmm. And he went around and he preached. But he still was focused on that one thing and and that was becoming what God had called him to be. And he he knew he didn't attain that. How many of us can say this one thing I do? Mm. We are pulled in a thousand different directions, just like Paul. One thing and the only thing that matters in life when it's over, is how well you ran for the Lord. Forgetting those things, in verse 13 it says, forgetting those things which are behind. Paul said, I refuse to look behind me at my past. The word forgetting means to cease to be affected by. If you run with your eye on on the past successes, then you will have the tendency to lay back and rest on those accomplishments. Amen. And if you run with your eye on, fa- uh, on past failures, then you will tend to l- stay back for fear of failure, failing again. That's right. Amen. I mean, I heard a story from Pastor Jesse the other day where he was talking about when he was behind a boat on a raft and he was super pumped. <laughs> and he, w- he would hold on no matter how wild it got until he finally went head first into the water and it hurt. Yeah. 
Then he was afraid next time about what was going to happen. So he, he didn't push as hard. That, this reminds me of that. So don't look at, at what you've accomplished because you have nothing to stand on because that's God's accomplishment. And don't look at your failures because God could use you, those failures Amen. to make you be what he wants you to be. Amen. So dwelling on the past gives Satan a foothold. And if you think you're not good enough, that's because Satan wants you to think that. Yeah. And it'll hinder your growth in pursuit of God's will. Keep your eye on God, and he will get you where he wants you to go. Yes, sir. There's another thought that needs to be mentioned here. As you are running for the Lord, stop looking at how others are doing in the race. There will, be, there will always be those who are able to outrun you, and there will always be those who will lag behind you or even drop out of the race. Don't worry about what others are doing. Your job is to run to please the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't, and I do all the time. I look at how I am in comparison to Michael, and I look at how I am in comparison to Pastor Jesse and, and preachers I listen to, and I, look at, and I look at Michael specifically, and I think, wow, look at how far God has taken him, and he's 10 years younger than me. How am I ever going to get to that point? But I need to stop doing that because God didn't call me to run Michael's race. That's right. He didn't right. call me to be right. Michael. He called me to be a Treyu. Yeah. Right. And right. he has a plan for my life. Yes. And my sole yes. purpose needs to be to run to please him. And that needs to be yours as well. Yeah. That's right. It says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We run, and we should be the sole, or he should be the sole focus of our attention. Amen. In chapter Philippians 3, Chapter, <laughs> Philippians 3, verse 13, he said, reaching forth. Picture a runner as he nears the finish line, literally leaning forward and straining for the goal. Sometimes it's down to a hare who won that race. Paul tells us that he is reaching out with all he has yes. to be sure that he wins the race. Can we honestly say that we are straining to reach the goal? Or do we just take it as it comes? If we succeed, succeed for the Lord... Then we praise him and we thank him for the successes. And if we happen to stumble and fall, we say, oh, well, I'll try again. You know, I got tomorrow. We don't know we have tomorrow. Amen. So we need to push as hard as we can to attain what he called us to be today. Amen. And Paul strained to make it happen, reaching for all he could become for Jesus. We need to strain to reach our fullest potential for the glory of God. Amen. Verse 14, he said, I press toward the mark. The word mark refers to the goal that one has in view. In other words, Paul was oblivious to his surroundings. He was just heading for the goal. He wanted to finish well. We see in 2 Timothy 4, 6, Paul reaches the end of his life, and he was able to leave behind the testimony that he had indeed run well. It says, For I am now ready to be offered, Amen. and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. I want to say that when I, yeah. when I am at the end, whether that's tonight 
or 20 years, 30 years from now, I want to be able to say the yes. same thing he said, yeah. and you should too. We need to avoid the trap of becoming distracted by the events of life and look at the mark, a goal that we should be striving for. And we need to ask God what that goal is. Too many start the race excited and ready to run, but become distracted. We need to remain steady, keeping that pace, and have eternity in view. Amen. God is honored by a race well run and life well lived. Amen. Not, and do not be easily distracted. Run with your eyes on the goal, and God will get you there. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us in this verse that he is running for the prize. This is the award presented to the victor in the race. Paul wanted to run a good race, and he wanted to win the prize that God had for him. And every single one of us have that prize waiting for us. In boot camp, there's that final test that I mentioned before that you're looking forward to the whole time. You're pressing forward to attain what it's going to take to, to achieve and pass that test. And they call this test the crucible, and this is 54 hours straight. I looked up the facts, and, it, and after I heard it, I was like, yeah, that's right. Because it's, it's 54 hours of pure exhaustion. You get two and a half meals over a 54-hour period, and you get maybe four hours of sleep the whole time. And you're hiking over 56 miles mm -hmm. through the mountains in heat and dryness, and you have very little water and food. And through this whole time, you have 50 exercises and problem-solving activities that as a group you have to figure out. The drill instructors at this point aren't there pushing you, they're, they're watching. You go through this and, and see if you can pass that test. And it brings to the point of breaking. And when Paul says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize, I think of the crucible and pressing on hiking and working with little food and little sleep. But I knew at the end I was going to be able to be called a Marine. So I had that prize in mind. Now, at the very end, the last night, we hike up back to the camp and line up and get ready for bed, thinking we're going to get some sleep before this final test called the Reaper. But the drill instructors spend the next three hours, because technically bedtime is midnight, but they, they spend the next like three hours pushing you to perfect the Marine Corps hymn, which just seems so stupid if you think about it. But until every Marine there got it right, they weren't going to let you go to sleep. But you're screaming at the top of your lungs, and then at the, by the time you've gone five times through it, there's no sound coming out anymore. And they're still yelling at you to get this right, even though they can't hear you, which is it's just a mind game. But it's to wear you out as much as possible to make sure that you're, you're at that breaking point. Because in an hour, they're going to wake you up again. You're going to put 100 pounds on your back, and you're going to march nine miles in the pitch black, no flashlights, to get to this hill called the Reaper, which is 700 feet tall at a 70% incline. Which is literally, so when you walk up to it, it starts to fade into black, and you can't see the top. Which is just like this. You can't, you don't know where the end is going to be, but you know that at the top, at the end somewhere hey. is that prize, which is to be a Marine or to be yeah. Christ-like. Yes. And so you get up to this and you're super excited and terrified all at once because you don't know what's coming. 
And then we rushed it. We start screaming to attack the hill and we, we rush up this thing. And the moment you hit it, it's a wall and it's muddy and it's dirty. And you're, you can literally, as you're standing there, reach out and touch the dirt in front of you. You don't have to lean over, you're, you're touching it. That's how steep it is. And it's a fight to get to the top. And as I would be rushing up this, because I wanted to be the first to the top. I wanted to be the first one there. Regardless of where my platoon was, I had one mission, is to not be distracted, but to get to the top. And I would watch, and, and the application here, which inspired me is that I could see in the eyes of some of these recruits the lie sinking in that they were never going to make it. Yeah, come on. That they could never make it That's to the good. top. Amen. Because when you look up and the, and the sun started to come up and you can see the hill and it disappears again. And then it's a tiny little plateau and then it's another hill. And you're like, does this ever end? Like, we're in this for hours trying to get up this thing. And they were literally rolling off the hill out of fatigue and just quitting. And I would run over there and be like, why are you doing this? This is it. This is it. Fight for the final thing to yeah. be called a Marine. You've gone this far. Why are you quitting now? Amen. And I press towards that mark. And finally, you get to the top and you're allowed to be called a Marine, which is the best feeling in the world because it was the culmination of everything you were trained to do. And life is just like that. God is going to put you through trial after trial after trial. Yeah. But you will never have something in your life that God cannot hey. get yes. you through. Yes. And he's right. using that to prepare you for something greater. Yeah. And that's that prize. And Paul knew that the Lord called him for a reason. In 1 Corinthians 3, 8, it says, Now that he planteth, now that he planteth and that he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Matthew 25, 21 said, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. That's what we want to hear from God. Amen. And that's what we wanted to hear as recruits is that we did well. We need to push towards that mark. Yes. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul got the reward he was after. Will we get that reward? Yes, but only if we run for the prize. Don't be satisfied sitting here just being saved. <laughs> But look for what God is calling you to do. Amen. Notice that Paul refers to the, the prize as a high calling. God did not save us so that we would continue to live like the world. Yeah. We are saved to strive to be like him in every detail of our life. Treat your relationship with the Lord like the precious thing it is by striving to live up to a high calling. Ask God what that high calling is in your life. Philippians 3, 15 through 16 said, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. In these verses, Paul is simply telling us that this is the mature Christian attitude. Does this match your attitude of the Christian life? and what it's supposed to be. He then warns us that if we have a different opinion about how the Christian race should be run, then the Lord will deal with us in that matter. The only problem is that too many people are enjoying 
the race they are running now and wouldn't listen even if the Lord called them to run differently. Mm. Sonia, could you come up and play uh, hymn 160, Turn Your Eyes Upon the Lord? And Kurt, if you could sing, please. If we are to succeed in the Christian life and honor God by the lives we live, then we are going to have to run the race his way, not our way. Amen. We will have to run with our eyes upon him. And maybe you need to come to the altar tonight and ask, ask God what he saved you for. You could all stand. Are you stuck on salvation but not pursuing his plan for your life? Are you pressing toward the mark for the prize? God has called you for a reason. Come tonight and ask God to help you keep going. Keep pressing for the prize. This message was mostly about running the race for the prize, but maybe you're not even in the race yet. Have you asked God to save you? If you haven't accepted God's gift of salvation, come tonight and do so. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 5.22 says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Romans 10.9-10 said, thou, or That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 1 John 5.10 says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. Press towards the mark. Come to the altar and ask him. I know I need to daily to make sure I'm running where he wants me to run. If you're hesitant to come up and ask him, I promise there is power in coming to the altar, coming to his feet and asking him his will for your life. But if not, he will meet you where you are. Don't leave here tonight without calling on the Lord, either for salvation or his will for your life.